welcome to episode 457 of the Pop Culture Roundtable, the podcast that's down one Lauren, but up one Tracy. In this episode, we talk about 2521, Netflix pricing structure, and The Atom Project. I'm Andrew Sale. And I'm Patrick Hill. So get your wallets ready, because it's time to get some cha-ching! off every episode by going around the table which is where we talk about things that are new fun and noteworthy about our weeks but before we do that for our audio listeners it's important to note that lauren's not here today but someone else has taken her place and that person is our favorite artist in the world at the moment Tracy Ching. Everybody, welcome Tracy to the show. Tracy. I really appreciate those qualifiers. It really brings the pressure <laughs> down to sub in for Laura at this moment. Well, you know, we have so many artist people. I can't say period because that would offend a whole bunch of people. But No, when you started that sentence, I got like upset. I'm like, what are you doing? They're going to come for you and then they're going to come for me. What is wrong with you? But I like, then you brought it down. And well, so it was I was for sure going to tell them if they said anything to me, I was going to say that that was part, that was in your writer that we had to acknowledge you as our favorite artist. Oh, great. So you were just going to throw me right under that bus. 100%. I 100%. never coming back to the um, show. <laughs> if I could, I don't mind offending people. So if there's anybody you would like to offend, if y'all just slack me or like text me the name of the person, I'm happy to do the offense on your Honestly, behalf. Honestly, we like, probably don't even have to tell you anything. We probably just have to introduce you to that person and you will inevitably offend them on accident. I'm fine with it. I, I've fully embraced the... Uh, my 80-year-old man in that way. Yeah. So it's yeah. important. Yeah, you, you literally got me on this show by saying that I should, like, my review of something should be negative. You automatically be like, yeah, if you want to, like, <laughs> shit all over this entire, like, this absolute thing that you have. And Andrew was just I, like, you could also say something nice. <laughs> my exact words were, call it garbage. Yes, that's true. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. That's, that's important. For all the people who want to know who Tracy is and you don't know who Tracy is, you probably know who Tracy is. Based on the work that she's done, I'm sure you have likely seen it, if not uh, on your Instagram feed or on your wall, for instance, right here, <laughs> that little piece right back there. It doesn't show up There's great There's a on chance camera. I've been on your phone or in your house, There's and I chance. tell that to people all the time to purposely creep them out. <laughs> absolutely. That absolutely is. You're you're in, uh, I've seen your work on uh, the the aisles at Target. I have yep. seen uh, I've seen it all over the place, and uh, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. I, I don't know you how to describe. Me. How would you describe your work? Would you say that you have like an etched, like style? Like is that how you pitch your work to people? Yeah, a, a lot of people use like cross hatching or yeah, etching, like engraving that kind of stuff because it's all like it's all very like graphic and comic booky. But people don't know how to show like it's comic book. But if you did cross hatching, and so it's very confusing, even for me to talk about, quite honestly. So feel free to use the words that feel comfy. Yeah, that's that's great. And then you tell just like a quick summation, like an elevator pitch of some of the clients that you've been able to work with over the years, because it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I worked with the uh, presidential inaugural committee to create the official poster this year for the Biden-Harris inauguration. Mm -hmm. Marvel, Disney, Adidas, 
pretty much like yeah obviously like star wars lucasfilm that kind of stuff lots of just uh, bored with how films. many incredible names it is yeah now she's Hasbro. trying now she's trying to get mom and pop shops uh she's looking to it sounds like you were gonna fall asleep with just like you know Marvel, uh, just, uh, just anyone you can think of like pick anyone i've done work with them <laughs> ah. Well, it's funny because like I am quite bored in in running through that list. Because to be honest, people view it a certain way, and like behind the scenes, it can be really, really grueling to work these sure. jobs. And quite honestly, I would really prefer to work with some more low key groups. But yeah, <laughs> like, like, there's so much, so many cooks in the kitchen, so many things to remember, so many fans to please. It's a lot sometimes. But yes, so I'm kind of just like when I asked if you would do uh, uh, portraits for the podcast, you were like, "Uh, you're not professional enough." <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, I I haven't drawn a like person, just a regular human being who's not like plastered their face all over the planet. Yeah. And it's a it's a point, it's a sore point for me because back in the beginning of my, of my career, I would have like portrait nights mm-hmm. where people could submit like their photos and I would draw their portrait that night. Sometimes it would be live, sometimes it wouldn't, and there would be like a surprise to who got their portrait drawn. Yeah. And that was like an awesome way to engage with like folks and just like draw some faces and like get some interesting things happening and like i just don't it sounds like such like privileged like bitching but just like i just don't have time anymore to like do anything fun yeah anything (laughs) as as, as terrible as that sounds but like it's all like high stakes let's put it that way it's all really high stakes stakes, and i don't ever come down from high stakes does more of the pressure come from the client or does more of the pressure come from the expectations of the people that are viewing the work all of it so I have my own expectations. All of us as creatives and designers know the pressure we put on ourselves, right? And then you have like like certain legacy properties you're dealing with. So there's like decades of like fandom and canon and all this other stuff, plus like marketing and legal and like their own creative departments. And it's just like a lot to pile on and carry over and over again. And then, yeah, it's the release and like how people perceive it. And if it does well, if you did a good job by your standard as well as someone else's. So there's all this like, stuff and it gets really like i I think i'm really jaded right now as to like this kind of work (laughs) that's good so inevitably when you quit your job and pursue a different one uh like what's your go-to like mine right now if i was to walk away would be a park ranger that's what i would go do oh that's a good one i thought you were gonna be a cook if this didn't work out that's i think that's even more pressure than what i'm doing now to be honest (laughs) i think if i think if i care about my mental health park ranger Mm. yeah that's a really good one um, that I might steal, but I would just insist on being in a different park than you. I, I would <laughs> insist on probably could have left that part out, but cool. I, I'm going to be one of those like guys. Patrick that, said that I should come on here and speak negatively, so I don't true. know what you want from me. That's, that's what I was. That's what I was. That's what I was saying. No podcasts are fun if everybody's nice. You know, sure. like you wouldn't listen to it. Everybody's nice. So there has to be. Or if everybody it, paid fine. attention or if everybody stayed on track. I totally agree. <laughs> that gets cut out of the edit. Um, okay. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I would have to. It's a good point because mm-hmm. I could be one of those people that like manages an island. And like I have my shack on the island, but like I live by myself on the islands. And then like. Sorry, that McKenzie. exists. <laughs> Sorry, McKenzie. <laughs> she Just to be she clear. Did. She- she knows what when we're she quitting. Is. We're when we're quitting our jobs. We're also quitting our families. Is that this, happening? This is like if I walked away from my life. Mm. Mm-hmm. Island mm-hmm. parent. So anyway, Lauren's not here this week, and uh, Tracy, 
Tracy has graciously uh, allowed us to be blessed with her presence. Uh, if you uh, enjoy Tracy like we do, she is a regular on our new season of the Dungeons & Designers podcast, which is happening tomorrow if you're listening to this on release day. Uh, we have uh, session two that's happening. And so uh, it's we are thrilled that you're here, Tracy. You are super fun, and we know you can hold your own. And so this this evening, what are you doing? Session three? <laughs> no. Because the session zero, session one, session two. We've only had one official session. One was running through the alleyways and someone blew the head off a lizard. Two was planning oh, that's the right, beginning of a Ray heist. Was, you're right. Are you even in these sessions? I We're am. Session but you now. know what threw me off is that Ray wasn't in the the first session. I don't have yeah. those excuses. I completely agreed with Andrew, and I was just wrong. Yeah, Tracy's nodding <laughs> along, and so I'm like, yeah, I'm on yeah. track. Yeah, because you're Andrew. Like, I understand that dynamic. That didn't throw me, but I was like, come on, we're in three, everybody. Let's go. Good good for you, okay. Patrick, for, for keeping oh, us on Patrick track. Oh, Patrick keeps track of it. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. Um, so anyway, thanks for being here, Tracy. What we do in this portion of it, we just talk about things that are new, fun, and noteworthy about our week. Why don't you, as our guest host, uh, start us off? Just tell us about your week. Something I'm very excited about, uh, I was mentioning, I've kind of become jaded with more of like the commercial work. You know, we were talking commercial work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what I really like working on right now are things that have to do with like other issues, whether they be charity or social justice, stuff like that. And so I, gosh, it must have been like a year ago, uh, Chuck Sperry, who's in a phenomenal printmaker, and like longtime legacy artists uh, asked if I wanted to be part of this project called Artists for ERA, which stands for the Equal Rights Amendment. And so it gathered artists like uh, myself, Chuck Sperry, uh, Shepard Ferry, Tara McPherson, and just a myriad of incredible creatives to create fresh imagery and artwork that kind of honored the idea of equality in voting regardless of sex or gender. Mm -hmm. And so that work just released, um, it began to release last week and my print was dropped this weekend um, with the launch event for this series of work that goes to support the, the passing through Congress of the uh, Equal Rights Amendment. So it's really exciting because this is like personally the project, the aesthetic, the actual image itself I had wanted to work on. I kind of had it locked and loaded, but never really the opportunity yeah. to work on it. And so I finally got to do that and for an incredibly great cause with just some like incredible artists that like I've admired for for years and years before I even became a freelance artist. So that was really exciting to have that image kind of out in the world and and launching this week. Um, so that was yeah, really it's exciting. A, it's a beautiful piece, too. I didn't know what it was a part of. Like you had I think you had teased a uh, like a just a screen grab of it. Um which I loved ahead of time. And then you did the final reveal a couple days later and it's, it's an awesome piece. So can people purchase this? Yeah, they can uh, buy it through the vote equality uh, website, which is vote equality us.com. They have a square site. You can go on there and buy some of the prints that remain. So Shepard Ferry and Chuck Sperry all sold out the day of their uh, release, uh, but there's a ton of really great artwork on there and my print as well is available and they're all, limited edition and signed and it's for an incredible cause too so yeah. an exciting thing to release Man, i love it, it Holy a, cow. a couple of years ago you did um when was it what year was it was it 2020 that you did the vote postcards is that when was that 
gosh yeah oh and that seems like ages ago too because it was during it was during like the trump era and that was just one nightmarish blur so i don't remember i don't think it was 2020 but maybe it was no because 2020 was pandemic year so it must have been the year god yeah i think that i think 2018 whatever it was i don't know yeah pre-pandemic the stuff that you do um is like you you put this piece together and then you told people to get out there and vote and all they had to do was like post a picture of their I voted sticker and tag yeah. you and you mm-hmm. would send them a free piece of art and I love mm-hmm. that uh, um, your success has afforded you the privilege to be able to to give back your art in that way not everybody capitalizes on their platform or their success and, and capitalizes on their platform uh, in that way and I think that that's that's honorable admirable and super cool of you uh to do so everybody had access to free tracy ching art all they had to do was their civic duty i missed <laughs> it vote. i missed it i mean i voted i missed that's the, the part that I matters the cutoff to tell tracy <laughs> that I voted. it was a very sad day uh that is but- a, see we're using clout properly there you're using clout to get artwork i'm using mine to feel less uncomfortable and do some good with it so we all win in that scenario we do all win uh, no, other you didn't than get a sticker Will, you have to ask for stickers. I think Will's just too polite. He voted and didn't get a sticker. Maybe he didn't vote in, a, in a, um, an actual election. Maybe he just went to some back, <laughs> like back alley. If you were if you were in and out of there in less than two hours, then you didn't really vote. That's, that was At my least experience not in the state with of Texas. <laughs> yeah, that's actually unfortunately very true. They yep. also run out of stickers because it's become such a thing that like they will run out at a certain point. Um, also, maybe just to demoralize you, too, after being in line for two hours and, like, possibly sweltering heat with no water and no bathroom and then voting, they're like, no sticker for you. Have you considered, and I don't know what the what the official thing here is, because, or if there is even one, different states and different cities and different, different polling locations um, or different uh, voting locations have different stickers. So I don't think there is an official sticker. So have you considered making That's your right. own sticker, like, like rolls and, and passing them out? to um, some of your local places or sending them to people in Texas to give to people who want cool looking I voted stickers. Because <laughs> your votes are really important right now. So yes, please vote. I will do that. If you guys will actually vote, I will make fucking stickers. Can we um, call Mr. USA and try to get you as the official sticker of the country? No, it is. It is by state, though. You're right. And they are oh. um, to some extent official, which is why I could do that. But I also might get in a lot of trouble for passing out something unofficial and related to voting. Uh, so you have to be really careful with some of that stuff. But it is a good idea. And it's definitely worth thinking about how to either do it guerrilla style, like kind of off the grid or like sticker trade. Bring me your shitty sticker and I'll give you a better one. I wonder <laughs> something if like can... that, perhaps. Or what if it just said, I voted in, in, in tiny letters underneath that said already. And you just give it to people to put on after they, like the day after election. Mm. <laughs> it's something they can wear or a button or something that they can just get up for free it's from to your lengthen. site. Yeah. It's to lengthen your your euphoria upon receiving your voting site, right? You got the one the first day and then that one's for the second day to elongate the amount of like clout yes. and, you know, lionization that happens when you wear your voting sticker. The lionization. <laughs> Wow. Never you're heard bringing, that word. You're bringing triple really? word scores this week. I love it. No, you know, especially after like Ukraine and like the amazing president of Ukraine doing what he's doing. A lot of people are using the word lion, like lionizing, which is a great oh, word. It means to kind of put them up on a pedestal because they are. Yeah, it's a it. good word. 
So other than creating artwork uh, and having that be displayed, is there anything else that you did this week that's just like maybe not world changing, uh, maybe not super philanthropic, but is just something that's fun and stupid? So that fun you can really stupid. pave the way for what we're getting ready to say. That's what yeah, yeah, I'm because... trying to find a, a transitionary. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to mess this up for you because the answer is no, and I'm going to do something better. So I recently, in the last year or so, uh, Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in mm -hmm. Justice League, mm -hmm. uh, we became mutuals over a project that I worked on. And he's like an incredibly cool person. We're working on a new personal project together. So I had a call with him today and he's on set right now getting prepared to start filming Rebel Moon which is the new film that Zack Snyder is producing for Netflix. And so the answer is no. And it was really cool. And I can't wait to hear what you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool. latest thing I've done this week is reevaluating my life choices that led me here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh... Let's put up a poll. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you can follow up with that very gratuitous flex. So go ahead. Great. Great. I I I'll take it from there, I guess. Yeah, let's, let's let Andrew go next. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, so I, I, uh, that's what you get for letting me go first. <laughs> yeah, you got it. No, it's, it's all right. I can handle it. Um, this week was, was pretty rad. So in way of doing something, uh, to that, to contribute to a better good, but also, um, uh, profit off of it as well. Uh, Erica Williams has put out an incredible print, uh, to help with Ukraine and all the proceeds are going are going to Ukraine. There was a timed edition. I'm not sure if it's still open or not. It may. It is. It it's is. open okay. until March 31st. Perfect. Um, and it is a beautiful piece uh, with sunflowers as the kind of the 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 focal point of it. Um, and if I were smarter, I would have already pulled it up in front of me. But instead, I had deviated to look at all of Tracy's stuff. Um, it is. Are you trying, trying to read the text on it? Yeah, it says... It so, says... Go for it. Sunflowers will grow on the land where you lie down. Yes. And the colors are... Obviously, they're Ukrainian-inspired. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful. All hand-drawn. Um, even the lettering is all hand-drawn. And uh, you can go buy this print. It's not very expensive for this print. Um, they have a shirt that you can buy with the same graphic on it. And then you can join an auction to try to get the original artwork um, of not just the floral arrangement and the, the lettering and everything, but also um, she has a hand that goes on the shirt, uh, a, a hand that's drawn where there's seeds growing out of or flowers growing out of the, um, the cuts in the hand. It's absolutely beautiful. If you're familiar with Erica Williams' work, you know she's absolutely just her work is always stunning. It's always impeccable. Um, she does a lot of work uh, with Tegan they White. Don't work, they don't work so much together anymore. But yeah, she and uh, they both ran a little studio together for a while there. Yeah, yeah Tegan White. If so, yeah. So what I was going to say is if, you, if you're familiar with Tegan White's work, their aesthetic tends to be very similar, which is why they had, they had worked together in the past and they, they had done some stuff. Um, but anyway, it's, it's beautiful. If you don't know what we're talking about, there will be a link to it in the show notes. Uh, you have another week and a half or so to go get uh, to get this print. Um, I picked one up and I am super happy to hang that up. Uh, I love it when when doing something good uh, also collides with something that actually looks good that you can pair these things together. Um, you know, 
feel good and look good doing it. it seems like it's a good a match made in heaven so and then you're supporting artists as well like it it's kind of a win 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 a classic michael scott win 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 um <laughs> so uh pick that pick that up the other thing is uh watched um a movie that i'm going to talk about in my master category but i'm incredibly excited about uh spent some time on netflix and did that and then i played a game um that i picked up it's called uh disney sidekicks and disney sidekicks is a game that is um, i'm gonna let patrick talk about like the actual review of the game because i because i think patrick has some some thoughts about that but i'll tell you a little bit what the game is and the game function and then he'll take it from there and you can finish it out with your around the table so um the premise of the game is that all the hype is given to the heroes all the disney heroes all of these you know classic uh, Aladdin, Simba, uh, Peter Pan, you know, like these classic characters. Um, but in this game, all of the heroes have been captured. And so it's up to the sidekicks to go save the heroes. And uh, it's a co-op game where you all play together to try to save all the heroes and um, save yourselves from all of the villains and the guards. Um, and it is not uh for the faint of heart it is it takes a lot of cooperation you really have to think and work together um but uh i'll let patrick tell a little bit more about that but that i I had that game this week and then cooper and i tried to um do that puzzle that i showed you guys last week that escape uh pyramid puzzle yeah very difficult we're stuck um we'll be trying it again this weekend (laughs) so um it's been a lot of uh, games, art, and uh, and movie watching. That's really primarily been it. And being outside a lot, because the weather this past week was incredible. I think I clocked like 25 or 26 miles this week because I just needed to be outside soaking in the sun and uh, getting some activity in there. So that's been my week. Patrick, why don't you uh, finish us off by uh, starting with the game? Yeah, sidekicks. I actually wasn't terribly excited to play this. A because I was exhausted. But B, because on Board Game Geek, he doesn't have terribly good reviews. Now, this is something that Andrew's able to do that I'm not able to do, which is, uh, one, buy a game solely off design, and two, buy a game solely off property. Cannot bring myself to do that. Like, it has to have, like, a 9.99 score, and it has to have, like, thousands of reviews and be on top 10 lists, or I just do not spend the money. It's just my approach. I don't buy games solely off property. I think that's, that's a little bit of hyperbole, because... The game also has to look interesting to me. There's there are so many Disney Disney games that I do not own because the game does not look interesting to me. This one did okay. look interesting. Ninety percent off property, ten percent off how interesting. By the way, Jetpacks, thank you for the uh, one month sub with Prime. That's awesome. Okay, so um, wasn't terribly excited because it didn't have good. It only had like six like six out of ten stars or something. Um, I ended up deeply enjoying this game the 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 way it's set up uh we've talked about professor evil in the citadel of time before which is this game where uh you'll take your individual turns uh even though your turn plays the same the character that you are will have like a a um a unique power so you have all the same abilities and one unique power uh and then when the uh the in in professor citadel or Professor Evil in the case of that game, when when the professor goes, 
uh, his movement is just random. You roll dice, it gives him movement, and, and it could be devastating, and it could be nothing. This game is very, very similar. All the people that are playing, like at first, it feels like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of different card decks. There's a, a lot of different player cards. It, it really was a bit overwhelming to, just to unpackage and lay out. There's a lot of tiny tokens or, or like little cardboard punch outs and stuff. But actually, the play is is completely identical for all the characters minus a special ability. The the movement for the bad characters is, you know, automated. And it could be um, basically nothing in terms of how it affects you. And it could be absolutely devastating. I mean, genuinely, we, we played this game like mitigating the danger the entire time. And we, we had been playing for over an hour and a half, I think. And in the span of... Uh, and we had only, like, based on the metric that you use to determine, like, how close you are to losing, we were only 50% up that track, and within one turn, we lost. Yep. Like, that that's how quickly the thing can flip. So I'll, yep. I'll say that it's its a surprisingly... Well, it's a game you have to be very patient at, and you just have to understand the, the role of luck. Uh, that said, there is enough skill to it in the way you position yourself, mitigate danger, like, move around. There is enough skill that I think you will get progressively better at the game the more you play it, which is something I need to enjoy a game. I can't enjoy anything that's like purely luck-based. Um, so all of that said, I actually think it's really worth a play. Um, and it is very simplistic. Again, it is going to be overwhelming when you're punching out the little tokens and stuff. You're going to feel like, oh, it's going to take me hours to understand this rule book. The, the best thing you can do is just start playing the game. Uh, this is one of those games, and, and this is one of those places where you have to give props to someone like uh, um, uh, Disney. They do such a good job at having very descriptive movements and descriptive rules and filling in all the gaps and like not really leaving any gray area. So if you'll just start playing the game, it's very good at walking you through each step as you begin playing it. So that would be my only tip on that site. Read the directions, but get into a game pretty quickly and it'll become very natural. And then you can kind of uh, adjust for any things you get wrong as you go. The The flip side would be one of the last games we talked about, which was the Cuphead game. It, it's missing three whole pages out of the rulebook. It makes no <laughs> sense. There are parts of that game that genuinely, there is, it is impossible to infer any type of like what's right and what's wrong based on what you're given. Uh, this game's not like that. So anyway, that that's, it, it is my endorsement to go, put, what's it called? Sidekicks? Mm-hmm. Sidekicks. Is, and is the, it the components are really like the figures, like it's got many figures of all the sidekicks. So yeah. you play as Timon and Pumbaa, you play as Tinkerbell, you play as the three fairies from Sleeping Beauty, and they are actually all three individuals and they kind of come together, they can kind of collect together. You play as Lumiere, you played as Lumiere, right? I did. And then there's one other one. There's there's five sure. oh, Abu, Abu from Aladdin. And you're going against all of the the villains from those and those all have figures as well. Um, the heroes are only shown as illustrations on little tokens, but the, like the figures themselves are actually really well done. I would have liked, and this is also pretty typical for games we've seen from Disney. Um, I would have liked some higher quality components instead of minus the, minus the individual figures. Like everything else was a cardboard punch out. Wait, no, no, no. Cause the castle was, uh, like a 3d okay. castle. And the, the bridges, the bridges were great too. I think the worst parts were just the tokens. Yes, and there's six different types of tokens. Uh, there's really two main types of tokens, and then yeah, every but character there's... has specific tokens. 
Yeah. Right. The characters have specific tokens. There's the attendees. There's the guards. There's the di- like the the dice tokens. Um, yeah, that's true. There's, yeah, there's, several, there's a few. Yeah. It would have been nice that, that there were some more premium figures for those, and just something that gave a little bit more differentiation with those. Um, but outside of that, the game was actually very very enjoyable. And things like tokens, frankly, are easy to upgrade. Uh, I mean, you could literally go to your. I'm sure you have like a local board game store you could go to and just buy tokens and, and you could sub them out if you wanted to. So it's a very, very small complaint. There's nothing that makes it... The, the only thing that's really specific in the game would be the dice themselves. So it's easy to swap. The, the price else. point is actually really nice. It's only $33 at Target. $3,300 at Target. $3,300 at Target. And then yeah, you can yeah, get yeah. into this. <laughs> Tracy, do you guys play board games as a family or individually? I mean, my kids are, are five and seven. So we like... We do, but it's not on this level. Um, but it's something that we we have started to like build in a bit on some fun games. I'm really interested in if this game has totally like ruined the uh, I guess like rating system that you use, Patrick. If this wasn't rated as highly, and like how like well was was it Cuphead was rated? Have you seen a kind of like a, a proving that like your rating system is maybe not? as accurate as it should be if you enjoyed so, this game, but it wasn't rated appropriately. Question, Tracy. No, no. And here's why, it's because the thing is, because <laughs> I've decided that it won't. <laughs> well, like let's no, I, I, I prefer to think of it this way. Um, Cause again, I didn't buy the, I didn't purchase the Cuphead game. I did. That was still an Andrew thing. He goes crazy about that property. Um, my, my whole thing is that I'm going to experience less things. But I do believe that more often than not, what I experience will be very high quality. So I would rather take a a couple of misses than have to like suffer through more misses. Um, now these are fun surprises, and there are other cases where there are games that are really highly rated that just don't connect with me. Um, but I think more often than not, being kind of more strict and stuff has served me well. And the flip side is like mentally, I don't even know how to work past it. Like it's something that's like ingrained. Like I can't go buy a vacuum cleaner unless it's got like 4.99 out of five stars and has like this many ratings. And is that like, I can't do anything in my life. It's not just consuming media. It's just anything. Um, and so I, I, I don't know what it would, t- I would have to see a therapist. You are, you, you are a I slave. Have to go- I'd have to go see a therapist who you put a lot. Point. You put a lot of trust in the system. He, he is a slave to the ratings and a slave to the reviews for sure. But like, but, I like cooking, but I'm not going to some like simply eats in the Google search results. I need to find like five other Michelin chefs, like chefs that have been awarded Michelin stars that have made this recipe. And I need them from their mouths to tell me how to make it. This is not, this is not this is everything. He is not exaggerating. This is legitimately. I, and I don't need you don't you don't need to go into this, but an, a very, very, very clear example of this is Patrick's newfound love, a recent found love of making eggs. And yeah. Patrick can literally talk to you about making eggs for at least 30 minutes, all the components that have to go into it and all these things for just making scrambled eggs. And so it's we do life very differently when it comes to stuff like that. Like very different. Yeah, but one of us makes really freaking good eggs. And the other one eats perfectly fine eggs and then moves on with his day. So like, it's, it's really, it's really, uh, we, we complement each other well when it comes to this stuff, because you still get to try new things because I will say, Hey, here, play this game. I got this game. Let's try this thing. So if you only ever stuck to your rating thing, if you were so rigid that you wouldn't even play a game that didn't have a certain rating, 
you would miss out. I think you recognize that too. There are exceptions yeah. oh, to yeah, yeah, where, sure. where the ratings don't align with your actual taste. The good thing is there is so much to consume. Thanks, capitalism. There's so much to consume that I can still afford to miss 99% of what I encounter. And sure. like, there's still plenty beyond that. It, it's interesting because I, I used to have this other problem uh, that I was talking to my therapist, Huck G, about. And it was the fact that like if I bought one of something, I had to own everything of that thing. And Huck was very good with the whole, like he, he up and so if he would make a run of 12 of something, he would make a 13th and he would keep it for himself. And so he had one of everything that he ever made. And then one day he decided to just sell all his 13ths and he just sold all of his stuff. And he also, the, the, the other piece of that is he used to have the issue of when he bought something, he needed to buy all of that thing. This is in our Huck G episode that you can't listen to because we had to pull it down because of copyright strike. So you have to believe me as I speak on behalf of Huck. Um, and, and so just that idea was very helpful for me hearing him explain how he had to work through it. Uh, so that's been a good thing. I've at least been able to stop spending money out of this compulsion of like not having the latest or missing out one in the whatever, but I still couldn't settle for anything less than what's perceived as the best. Yeah. Even it, it, it's, if this even goes so far and then we'll move on from this, but for, for Tracy's sake, this even goes so far for Patrick. It even goes to scarcity he will buy a variant of a print, even if he likes visual, even if, if aesthetically the the regular is more appealing to him and would go better with his house or, you know, speaks to him more. He will buy the variant because it is more scarce and it is more exclusive. Um, so that yeah. it really that really is a to understand Patrick is to understand that this is how he he funnels all of his decision making tracy if you ever need to sell something quick just tell me it's a one-on-one i got it i'll buy it <laughs> i'm i'm pretty excited by my question just driving you down this rabbit hole of just prying open patrick's brain into how his mind works and, and we may we need to do one of these it. sessions with you every month and then he doesn't have to pay for, for i imagine the like spongebob like the 30 <laughs> minutes later and i'm just crying <laughs> Just like bawling my eyes out, just laying in the floor. It's totally a possibility. It wouldn't be the first time I made a man cry, so. <laughs> and you wear that as a badge of honor. I, the, the way that you say that with the smug grin on your face. Is that everything, Patrick? Is that your whole week? Yeah. Oh, no. Um, last thing <laughs> I'll throw in there that I, man, if I roll TV, I'm going to regret talking about this now. Uh, I watched Bad Vegan on, on Netflix. And I feel like this, Tracy, you had to have seen Bad Vegan, right? Uh, right now, I exclusively watch Korean media on Netflix. <laughs> Can you tell? So, okay. Is it in Korean? <laughs> I don't. I, I. They might have a subtitle. I'm not sure. Uh, no, no. Natively, no. no. Um, <laughs> Bad Vegan is the story of, um, uh, um, what is it? Uh, food and wine. I, uh, the funny thing is I'm blanking on the actual story, even though I just watched the entire series. It doesn't matter. It basically tells the story of this woman that started a vegan restaurant in New York, it was considered like the hot spot. I mean, it would fall in all of the uh, like, you know, these top 100 lists, top 50 lists, whatever. And uh, you had very famous celebrities going to you'd see Tom Brady going there. Or you would see like, um, well, I was about to say famous celebrity and then mention one of the bald ones. You would see people that you've probably <laughs> seen in famous media going to it. And um, it, very much the top of the world ends up getting in a relationship with a guy, uh, marries this guy. Uh, and then goes on to, uh, 
you have to decide if it's together or not, but bilk investors out of like multiple millions of dollars and like gamble it away and like run off. And it's like this whole crazy story. And uh, it's amazing. And, and at the end of it, you know, we were talking or I was talking about Tinder Swindler a couple weeks ago and I made the comment that you really have to decide to be empathetic because it would be very easy to look at these people that were affected and think like, well, there's idiots. Um, so you really have to make the decision of like viewing it through how someone could be manipulated in that situation and how they, uh, it doesn't mean they're just dumb and it doesn't mean that one of us couldn't fall victim to this. In this case, I have a really tough time opening up the empathetic part of me after having watched this whole story. All of that said, they're actually interviewing Sarma, the, the main woman, the main chef, the person that opened uh, the two restaurants. Uh, she's being interviewed throughout the entirety of the, the, the six episodes or however, many, however long it is. So you, you're hearing her describe her predicament. I just don't know if it does her any favors. So uh, check it out. Uh, Bad Vegan. It's, it is fascinating. It is a fascinating, fascinating watch. But that is the other thing that I did this week. You love watching things where people lose their livelihood. Like that's for you. Like I've learned that's the second week in a row where you said that that's what you have been like you're loving and you're watching and you recommend people watch. It's like you do this to yourself. Like you just, it just reminds, it's a nice reminder that I haven't. Is it though? Because Netflix has been pushing a lot of those white lady scammer docs right now. There are a ton of them right now about like ladies who scammed people in the most like ridiculous ways. In addition to not ladies, but I've been noticing this trend that people like the things that have been hot are all these like white lady scammer docs. And so I don't know, Patrick, maybe Netflix is just like, like we were a minute ago, just digging in your brain. Yeah. Well, what's the, what's the next the, one? There's the like algorithms a... have you firmly within its grasp. They do. They <laughs> well, know like what the next you like. one I haven't got to is worst roommate ever. That's the <laughs> next one being recommended to me and I haven't seen it yet, but that feels like yeah. right up this alley. Well, yep. you, you have you have had more than your fair share of sips of the proverbial Kool-Aid and now they've got you right where they want you. Well, um, we'll, we'll talk about that a, a, a little bit deeper in just a minute. Yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> As a matter of fact, well, let's just go ahead and jump over to our master categories now, because I think that's it for our around the table. Uh, so up next, master categories. The Master Category section each week is the time we talk about the dice we rolled the week before, which give us our categories. We then pick our topics based on those categories. Um, why don't I start us off? Um, so this week I got film, and I, at first I was kind of like, what, what am I going to talk about? We've, we've seen a couple of things and talked about a couple of things that I was most excited about already. And then I remembered that last week or two weeks ago, the Netflix film... The Adam Project released. So the Adam Project has uh, an incredible cast of really, really talented people. Not the least of which is Mr. Ryan Reynolds, everybody's favorite Deadpoolian, and uh, then you've got Mark Ruffalo. And I'm not going to tell you the characters that they play because um, I think that actually kind of ruins some of the story for you. Um, and I'm going to be a little careful about telling the some of the synopsis of the film as well because um, you. It's easy to spoil things in this movie. It's easy to ruin it for, for people. So I'm just going to not. I'm going to give you a general synopsis, and then I'm going to give you my rating on it. Um, other actors include Jennifer Garner, uh, a really talented actor named Walker um, Scoble. He's a young actor. He plays, he plays the kid in this, in this film. I mean, he is a kid, but he also plays the kid in this film. Um, super funny, super talented guy. Uh, and then um, Catherine Kinnear uh, Keener, Kinnear, 
I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name, but you've seen her a bunch before. Um, I recognized her. Um, she plays uh, kind of the bad guy in this movie. Um, uh, in, in the very least, she's the she's at least borderline antagonist. Um, she's definitely not the good guy. So this film is a time travel movie. Um, and I'll give you the general synopsis that IMDb gives, and I'm not going to dive in too much more than that. It says, uh, after accidentally crash landing in 2022, time traveling fighter pilot Adam Reed teams up with his 12-year-old self for a mission to save the future. Okay, so when I first saw the 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 when I first saw on Ryan Reynolds Instagram that he was doing this movie, I was stoked because I love Ryan Reynolds just about everything he's in. I love, I love his vibe. I love his stage presence. I love his wit. I love his body. <laughs> I just love all of the things, uh, Ryan Reynolds. It's fine. Yeah. I got yeah, unapologetic. Um, I just, I love Ryan Reynolds. So most anything he's in, uh, and I don't even, I, I honestly can't even remember the Green Lantern anymore, um, but we're just gonna pretend like that didn't happen. Um, you just blanked else. it from your memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, but the first time I saw the trailer for this movie, I was like, "Dang, this looks stupid." <laughs> because <laughs> wait, wait, reading... hold on. Did you see the? Did you see the trailer by itself, or did you see the preview? inside of that longer like six minute Netflix what's coming up yeah that, that's that's a fair question because if we're talking about like if we're tracking my level of excitement it was really excited because because he was going to be in a movie and then it yeah. was uh level of excitement dropped a little bit when I saw the like the that trailer that has like the little things but then I knew like there was very little that I could actually glean from the story. Um, from sure. that, so I was like, I wasn't putting a ton of of energy into that. But then when I saw the trailer, trailer, it went <laughs> like it dropped a ton oh, okay, because okay. it looked like a really cheesy story. And then even reading that premise, that sounds like a cheesy sci-fi, like B movie at best kind of film. Um, and the only other actor, if I remember correctly, that you saw in that like six minute trailer thing was. Um, was the kid. So you saw Ryan Reynolds in the kid. You didn't see, uh, you didn't see Mark Ruffalo. You didn't see Jennifer Garner. You didn't see some of these other like A-list actors. Um, uh, initially when I saw what it was, what was going on. So I want to say excited, a little bit less excited, way less excited. Knew I needed to watch this for the podcast. So engaged back into it, jumped back into it, watched it. It far, far exceeded anything I could have possibly imagined. This is definitely, I think, my favorite movie of 2022 so far. Um, yeah. No. Think, yes, it is. 100%. And let me tell you why. It's not because of the premise. Um, the premise is, it, it has all of like the time, like the time, uh, uh, time, whatever you're talking about, like the time jumping tropes. It has sure. a lot of those things. It twists them a little bit and it has some variations on them. Um, but I 100% think that, uh, that this movie is so good because it takes you through just about every emotion when you're watching it. The only, the only emotion I didn't feel when I watched it was scared. 
That's the only one I didn't feel. I felt, I felt joy. I felt sorrow. I felt compassion. I felt there was laughter. There was action. Like I, like I felt um, some, some real kind of energy. You know, I got my heart going a few times. The, the action is really, really well done. The choreography is really well done. The only thing that it had going against it was that it was kind of like a cheesy sounding sci-fi movie. But the way that they executed this cheesy sounding sci-fi movie was way better than anything I could have expected from it. And it was absolutely killer. I can't wait to go back and watch it again with Cooper. I'm going to show him. He's going to love it. Oh, because you I would have assumed that's exactly the reason you went to it is because it would have been a good fit for you and him. Well, I didn't know that it was going to be a good fit. With Ryan Reynolds, you don't always know what you're going to get, right? Like, you don't, you don't always know. Um, you need to screen test those sometimes with kids, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, but this one is, it is, uh, just a step below family friendly. Like I wouldn't say maybe that you and your six and seven year old should sit down as a family and watch this necessarily. You could, I don't think it would be terrible, but it's not quite that family friendly. But since I have a 12 year old son and the kid in this movie is 12 years old in 2022, it, his birthday is literally eight days. He t- he says his birthday is February 10th, 2010. Cooper's birthday is February 18th, 2010. Um, so like it really, really is like perfect um, tied into that. And I will say, uh, Patrick, you will watch this movie and I guarantee you, you will cry. Um, more no, than I'm not one watching time. It. More than one time. No, I think it's worth it. your time because I think it is absolutely a beautiful film. And you don't typically say that about the about Ryan Reynolds movies. Um, but there is some real depth to this and there is some real substance to this as well as visually. It's visually really well done. Like the effects are really good. Even if there are spaceships and even if uh, there are people time traveling and, uh, you know, showing up out of nowhere and then like, you know, uh, whatever you call that when somebody kind of fizzles out. Like when you see those kinds of things and you think about that, you think really cheesy, they execute it really, really well. And it kind of transcends the tropian uh, B movie sci-fi, you know, genre thing. And they take it to something that's totally different. So this movie for me gets an eight and a half out of 10. Um, I loved it. Uh, It far exceeded. I thought it was going to be like a three or a four. Um, It's really, really good. So um, it's not, I'm not setting the bar impossibly high. I dare you to go watch this movie and not feel all of the things that I felt. Yeah, like for I, those listening to the podcast, uh, Andrew has completely enraged chat, Twitch chat. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why people are having like a hard time with what I'm saying here. It's my favorite is Jetpack's comment, which is just the word "no" with about seven. I know. Seven I don't know O's. why. I don't know. Have I don't know why everyone is getting so all up in arms about it, but it's. It's really good. I don't know why you'd be more worried to watch it now after I've given the review of it. Um, I liked it more than Batman. I thought there was more substance to it than Batman. And I know that's going to piss off a whole bunch of people, but I don't care. I'm yeah, on a microphone right I would have said that too. <laughs> or you should have just messaged me that and I could have said that. Again, this is what we talked about earlier. If you have like really frustrating things to say, just send them to me. I'll say them. Yeah, I, I liked it way more 
than Batman. And you can tell me to slow down. You can tell me to shut up. You can just stop listening if you have a problem with what no, I'm no, no, saying. No, 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 no. <laughs> this man is Andrew's going to die with, on this hill. <laughs> he's mad with power. Don't listen to him. Don't One, listen to him. 100%. I don't even, I don't even care. Um, go watch it. Uh, go watch it by, go watch it this weekend. You know, it's, it's a good, it's a good, it's only, you know, I think it's like an hour and 46 minutes. It's not gonna, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can almost watch Batman. You can watch it almost two times before you can watch, you know, the full, the Batman film. So Patrick, you should for sure watch it before you go see Batman. Um, and cause you can watch it from the comfort of your own home. So it's, a. Uh, I think sure. the idea before of, of, Netflix movies, you know, I'm doing air quotes, Netflix movies being subpar or being, um, you know, kind of a second tier movie uh, production house or whatever. I think those days are gone. I, I think we have seen them produce uh, some incredible things time and time again in different genres with different styles because there's different movie makers at the helm. I think um, there's there's some really, really incredible talent that they're bringing and being able to display. And the fact that you can do it from the, you know, the comfort of your own home and watch it as many times as you want, um, I think just increases that value in my opinion. So anyway, um, that is going to be my, uh, my category as much as it made people angry. I stand by it. I think it's fantastic. Okay. Um, I did notice that, that Becca who watched it with me, who also loved it has stayed quiet in the chat. Thanks for sticking <laughs> up for me. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to be honest. I think she's probably asleep. <laughs> There's some um, good chance she's just or perhaps she's still at this, work. Perhaps this is just the loud minority that we're dealing with at this time. <laughs> let's hope it's that. I uh, let's oh yeah, let's hope. So so see, she's chiming in now and she's saying that she loved it. So not asleep. Yeah. Uh oh, she's not asleep. She said I loved, and then she said it, and both of those could be parts of different sentences. That's true. She could be talking about the film It with uh with Pennywise. Um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so it's hard to tell. She's just telling you she loved. It's an important thing to know. Hey, yeah. I've loved. <laughs> just I know what speaking, it is. I I've loved. Um, <laughs> all right, Patrick, why don't you uh, continue the Netflix talk? Gladly. Uh, okay, I'm supposed to have travel this week, and uh, that's not happening. <laughs> so I'm gonna really, really stretch this one, which is that I'm gonna travel to Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru, in telling you this uh, news of what they're about to be faced with. Uh, that's the best I can do right now. I'll, it, it'll get better. Just stay with me. Um, for those that don't know, Netflix is about to start charging money for people you share your password with that don't live in your household. Now, not in America. So let's take a step back and talk about this. Netflix has said before that they estimate that 45% of the people watching their platform are using someone else's account. That's huge, all right? So in the U.S. alone, that would represent something like 33 million users that are not paying for the service. <laughs> yes, completely. Squatting. They're squatting. And we have loved it. By the way, I do pay for it. And in fact, I let me real quick, let me take a step back. I, I got to pick some bones real quick. Netflix and Spotify to both of you people. I've been paying for y'all for a long time. When I say, like, I'm talking about like 15 years long time. Where's my loyal customer discount? 
Where's my you've been with us through thick and thin discount? I used to pay for like eight discs at a time when I was in high school. You paid $630 a month. I remember. You showed me the pay stuff. Listen, I paid an S ton of money because I would watch like two a night and it would like take three days for it to like get back and the new ones get in. So I had to have enough where I could do two a night and the new ones were coming in when I was sitting in the next ones. Like it was some crazy stuff going on. All right. I, I, I'm just waiting for that. That's all. That's all I want to throw out there. I'm just I'm really annoyed that longevity doesn't give me anything. Okay. So anyway, 33 million freeloader, freeloaders. All right. So let's go back to this. So Netflix is now trialing something in Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru. They haven't rolled it out yet. They're about to. I'm going to read part of the message to you that they posted on their blog that was shared um, okay, we've always made it easy for people who live together to share their Netflix account. And uh, scrolling down a little bit, they say, but there's, it's also created some confusion about when and how Netflix can be shared. Created some confusion is their way to say, a lot of people are stealing this from us. Okay, so, uh, and, they, and they literally say this has uh, impacted our ability to invest in new TV and films for our members. So they literally said... Um, You've been sharing you shouldn't have. We can't buy new content for it. By the way, they spent, I, I want to say, like, pre-pandemic. The last year they spent pre-pandemic something like $17 billion on content. Like, this, it's massive amounts of money. It's crazy. Okay, so in the, for the last uh, year, we've been working on ways to enable members who share outside their household to do so easily and securely while also paying a bit more. Over the next few weeks, we'll launch and test two new features. The first one is add an extra member. So members on standard and premium plans can add a sub account for two other people that don't live with them. And those are going to cost $3 a month USD. All right. The second one is transfer profile to a new account. So this is for all the tiers, basic through premium. And if you have a profile on your account, then that person can spin up a new Netflix subscription and you can transfer that profile to the new subscription. That way they keep their watch history. They keep all their preferences. They keep all that stuff. All this stuff is, I mean, that, is awesome. That makes total sense. Okay. Um, and then they go on to say stuff about how you have a lot of choices, and but thanks for flying Delta. I don't know. They say something else and it's closing and it's like really nice. Okay. Um, here, here's, here's the good and bad of it. Positive is you and your buddy can get Netflix and one of you can pay the full rate and one of you can pay $3. I mean, it, it's, it's slightly over 50% of the cost and you can have an account. That's the positive. Yeah. Uh, and yes, Kate Carlton says it sounds like a family plan. It's an extended family plan. But but basically, I mean, family plan, you can have up to, like, what, already with Netflix, you can pay for up to two screens or up to four screens. So, like, you can do family plans already. This just allows you to extend that outside your household, and I'm sure it'll be gated by, like, IP address or something. Um, that said, here's the negative. The negative is that if this is implemented, it's going to roll out on every service you own. Okay? So, if you're one of those people that's either A sharing your Paramount Plus, your Hulu, your Netflix, your HBO Max, your um, Peacock. If you're sharing this with a bunch of people, one of two things is going to happen. One is that you're going to have to stop. Or two is you're going to start getting billed an extra $3 a month for every one of those services. Or maybe this one's an extra two and this one's an extra five. And who knows what it all comes out to. You're going to get billed extra for every one of those services. If you're one of those people that the accounts are being shared with you and you're benefiting from that, that's great. That's going away. That's the reality. Now, how long does it take to go away? So this rolls out the next couple of weeks. Maybe it takes six months. Maybe it takes a year and a half. 
I don't know how long it takes. Regardless, if we're sitting here two years from now, the whole paradigm is going to have shifted, and everybody's going to be either paradigm more plus, paradigm plus. The other piece of this, unfortunately, is that if Netflix manages, I mean, and obviously you're not going to convert all 33 million people. Some percentage are going to convert and either start paying for full price accounts by transferring their their current account, or they're going to pay for the extra $3. By the way, side note, what's funny is this is probably going to sniff out cases where people don't realize other people are using their Netflix, and they're going to get a message about additional people using, and they're going to realize some ex-boyfriend or girlfriend's been using their account for six years. I think it's hilarious that those things are going to come up, and that's kind of funny. This is, anyway, that's a side note. But anyway, some percentage is going to convert and start paying more. Unfortunately, even if they get 10 million additional users, they're not going to discount my service. They're not going to discount your service. So it's also a bit frustrating. The Netflix price hikes, and it's not just Netflix. This goes for everybody. Uh, but Netflix seems particularly aggressive in terms of price hikes. I mean, I know that we went through a long period, and they love to harp about the fact uh, early in our whatever, we went eight years without giving a price hike. That's fine, yeah. but now I feel like every six months I'm getting one right now. And they're not small. They're massive. I mean, they're $4 hikes or, or $3 hikes or whatever they are. They're, they're huge jumps. If I look at what I was paying two years ago versus now, it is a massive difference. And I understand that they're growing their content catalog, but I'm not sure how that argument is much different than you're paying for 200 cable channels. Like, maybe I don't need you to grow your, your catalog. Maybe that's the whole point of paying for a smaller uh, boutique service is so I can pay less money for a smaller amount of ca- content I care about because ultimately we're just ending up back in the exact place we are before. I mean, we're now at the point where buying cable is going to be a steal yeah. <laughs> as opposed to yeah. carrying all the services we're carrying. But that has Did now Did you been just bad. call cable a boutique service? Not cable, but I'm saying we're almost at that <laughs> What's point. What's the boutique service compared to become, Netflix? I really want to know. It will become the boutique service. And... Uh, and the issue is all the licensing is so bastardized at this point. It's not like we can go to one source and see everything anyway. So even if you do end up going back, you're dealing with blackouts. You're dealing with missing content. You're dealing with DLC in some form of we're going to release one kind of content here. And then we're going to pack in another 30% and release it on our platform. And it's just, it's all a mess. And this is just contributing more to the mess. So I understand it. I'm not... And like, am I upset by the idea of a company wanting 33 million? Well, I forget 33 million. Wanting people, in essence, taking their service to pay for it. I'm not upset by that. However, Netflix has had some odd tone about this in the past. There's a tweet floating around that you'll see, which is a tweet from Netflix that says, Love is sharing a password. It's from like four years ago or five years ago. So the reality is their tone on the subject has shifted over time. Uh, but again, I understand the move. The ability to, to migrate your account to to uh, or, or your profile to another account, that's a really awesome feature to have. There's a lot of services I wish had that feature. Um, but all of that said, these are precedents that everyone is going to follow because nobody's going to sit there and not collect more money if they can. Uh, and ultimately, we're all suffering for it. So I don't know. The, 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 the streaming at this point is just it's too... It's too uh, it's been split and cut and shifted and all this stuff to the point now that uh, it's it's just a monster. It's an absolute monster, uh, c- you know, compared to what the landscape was five years ago or, or 
or whatever. So, yeah, that's all. That's it. This is a garbage fire. I mentioned garbage fires before, beforehand. This is it. It's going to get worse. So, again, a, a year from now, you will all be paying more uh, in, in addition to the, your, your base service going or up. Or for some of um, you, you'll be paying. Or for all. some of you, you'll be paying for the first time. Congratulations, <laughs> suckers. Uh, so, and I didn't read any comments while that was going on. So there was really the one main, the one question about like, how does that work if my brother and my parents all use the same, considering that they're not in the same household? Like, how does that whole work? But that's probably yeah, so, just part of the family plan deal that, that already well, that, exists. But that's tough too. So, like, I'll give you one example. That's that you have truckers. Truckers like to have streaming platforms. So when they're driving across the country, they can watch their shows. Right? That makes uh, their shows. My grandfather called them his shows. Um, but that said, what what the way that works is that you have how are truckers how are truckers streaming shows and when you're not talking about while they're driving, right? You're talking about like just when they're they're at a rest stop. They will not admit to it while they're driving. But the reality (laughs) is like. In their cab, they have a TV, it's satellite, yeah, they watch whatever the, they watch. Yeah, you know, okay. some, some my fire, some junk. I don't know how it works. But here's the thing. The, the way it works with something like Hulu, if you want to use that as your service and your trucker, you have to connect to a home IP address every X number of days. So they might say every 15 days, every 20 days, you have to connect to a home IP. If you don't connect to that IP, then we consider that like – and part of this is because they don't want you to pay for the service in one geographic location – move to somewhere where you're then streaming stuff that they don't have the license for in that region or it's supposed to be blacked out in that region. So part of that is those protections, but they want to make sure that that you're not abusing that. Uh, that's how it works in that case. So um, yes, th- there are going to be instances of what if you're traveling? What if your family has like two ha- houses? I mean, this sounds terrible. I grew up in a family that had two houses and we would go stay at different houses what happens in that case what what happens in the case of you a family that that live in multiple places in the same city will they be fine with it because it's in the same city or yeah what if someone uh moves away for a to college for a bit and then they come back home or there's certainly a lot of barriers to overcome there and there's better like examples uh than this as well um there will have to be an answer for it on on some side it's going to also depend on just how aggressively Netflix wants to enforce it. The way it's being talked about now, in fairness, Netflix has not said you have to opt into this. Okay? So even though it's been said that we're going to roll this out in these three regions, it hasn't, they haven't used language saying that, like, starting on this day, you will be forced to pay this. That's not what's happened. They're still treating it as a very, like, a light touch type of thing. Um, But at some point, they'll have to decide how aggressive they're going to be, and then then I guess we'll get answers to all these questions. So yeah, yeah, and um, and uh, uh, Will just said YouTube TV is possible to use when traveling. Uh, there's actually a trucker subreddit, and they talk about uh, like the platforms that work well and don't work well in in this type of case. Um, I, I want to know taste. how you are so like plugged into the trucker community. <laughs> She's asking the Patrick? right question. She's asking the right <laughs> question. You're like, is a family member a trucker? Is this one of those hobbies where like dudes sometimes like trains and you're really I, into truckers? So I went through this thing. Not even trucks, truckers. Like he's really into the trucker lifestyle. Not no, even no, no, no. Yes. It was actually the, the culture, trucks. trucker yeah. culture. No, no. The trucks was the draw. Um, I was there was this. I don't even remember now. Somehow, like YouTube did something it rarely does, which is put something in your in my feed I had not consumed before, and um, uh, it was someone was doing like a review of like a truck interior cabin of like how their 
anyway, I watched it. I found it interesting. I watched a lot more and like, you know, things come up. I don't know. It just, it happened. It was the, the other one, by the way, is uh, there's this guy named like something the, like Adam, the corn farmer or something that's on YouTube. And uh, he goes around and talks about like the, the business of, of selling, of doing agriculture in 2022 it's it's really fascinating and he's like he's like 17 years old and he like explains all the finances of his parents farm it's very exciting i, I don't know i <laughs> is it you're just real you're just really solidifying your image as like grandpa like patrick after like the rant about the socioeconomics of uh netflix and how it's like you're gonna pay it's a dumpster fire you're gonna pay this and then also my love for truckers and agricultural finance listen listen <laughs> and oh i did grow up on a farm in fairness and listen so will just said i've been trying to get my ag students to start a young farmers podcast this guy has a youtube channel and his videos get like millions of views on like a tornado hit the local co-op. What did we do? It's like stuff like that. It's great. I just want you to know in advance that this episode is going to be titled A Trucker's Paradise. Just so you know, like I've already <laughs> made notes. I'm I'm being Lauren for this episode when it comes to uh, uh, following along. And uh, you, we have just earned this episode title of A Trucker's Paradise. <laughs> You're being a very good, was it a factotum? You're being very good. Yeah. Factotum. Uh, factoter. Um... <laughs> Okay. Anyway, that's that's it. Tracy, it's you. Tell tell us something that's better than what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're gonna move from a like the op-ed and financial breakdown of Grandpa Patrick over to arts and culture, something light and fluffy, but still dealing with Netflix mm -hmm. and being fed by an algorithm. So over the last like two years or so, uh, Netflix has been really pushing me like K dramas. So I don't know how much y'all know about like the K wave that's hit, but I'm sure you might have heard of like BTS which is like a Korean boy band that like took over the globe bigger than the Beatles, but like, like Korean beauty and Korean music and Korean like film and a bunch of other things have started to move food. Yes. Have majorly moved into like the Western world now as like a trend. And so I must've like just got onto the end cause I was like really bored of what I was watching on Netflix. And they started hosting these really old like K drama series on there and for the last two years, it's steadily increased to like a ludicrous amount of series that they've hosted. And now they're officially not on like old shows anymore. They're like three or four years old. Um, the one I'm watching right now is called 2521, which is a Korean melodrama series on Netflix. And they have exclusive rights like in this region to film it because um, fun little fact about the way that Korean series are filmed is they're filmed on like a weekly basis. So while it's live on TV, they're filming like the next episode or two. So they're actively filming while these are coming out. And sometimes if there's like public scandal or issues or opinions, they'll switch the script or change certain things to go with public opinion while it's like filming. Holy cow. Okay. Isn't that wild? And yeah. so 2521 right now is like one of the biggest shows in Korea right now. And Netflix has it like exclusively so it's like filming in korea but it's a weekly show and so it's this really interesting like sharing of like real time like media in a way that before a few years ago like netflix was not investing in this particular kind of international media but because it's really reached a groundswell it's been really interesting and so for the last two years i have literally i don't think watched a single english speaking <laughs> movie or show on netflix like my husband on his like profile might like watch it on there, but mine is exclusively like Korean or Chinese dramas. 
And so the one I've really been locked into is this um, this show about a teenage fencer in like the late 90s. Like so they build There's... fences or they sword? No, a like fighting, like international <laughs> okay. level high school like fencer. I would have assumed fencing important. was something else to be fair. With a sword, <laughs> yes. With a sword, the, like the French little jab jab. Um, and so this is about like her story in the late 90s. And I don't know how much y'all know about like the 90s like well the 90s in asia but there was a really really big financial crisis which like the market crashed and i think it was like what is it the ifc the international bank like went in and took over korea's finances and like really messed up their general economy and trying to restructure it i think similar to the way that like greece had a similar issue with like a certain collapse and so it's this really interesting like historical view of like a time that we were all alive um, but then also like this really fluffy like romance as well because there's always a romance angle to all of these Korean dramas. Okay. So the fencer falls in love like this other kid and it's just like weird and I love it because so often, and I'm sure you all experience this, like the shows and the movies in the US are constantly recycled. It's always the same equation over and over or the same property like rebooted three times. And for me, it's been so like boring. I just like cannot handle the amount of like recycling. And so it's really nice to engage with another like countries because they don't have the same tropes. They do have tropes, but they also take some more risks on what is like worth producing. And so it's been really refreshing to get some like less stale concepts going like this teenage fencer during a like financial crisis <laughs> finding yeah. love. It's it's a wild thing. Um also, from a personal standpoint, uh, I also had never watched this much media of people that kind of look like me. So being mixed race, I'm Chinese, Hawaiian, and Polish, I have not engaged with, like, anything where, like, Asian folks are not kind of, like, a token or it's sure. not some, like, commentary on being Asian. It's just, like, Asian people being Asian. And so that's been really wild from a personal standpoint, too, being able to, like, dip in to that as, like, Again, another refresher, another palate cleanse from uh, U.S. Yeah, media. They're not as well. making a. They're not making a statement. They're just making films or making TV shows yeah. and just doing. Like they don't. They don't know what Asian American means because everyone over there is like Korean. There, there's no need yeah, there's, to delineate they're just between Korean, right? Yeah. Wait. Yeah, so what's, everyone's Asian over there. <laughs> what's the like? Uh, like the style or the pace or something of a show like this, as compared to like. Uh, what you would see in like American culture. You, it's yeah. it it varies the same way in terms of drama. Like they have a lot of like crime thrillers. They have a ton of horror. Um, their horror is like serious too. It is not to be played with. Um, really, really good. And then they have like really, really fluffy like romance shows. They have like melodramas like this one that I'm watching. And they all go at a different speed depending on like the tone of the film. And that's the other thing is like they follow a formula but it is still refreshing because the pace differs depending on like who the cinematographer is, who is the director is. They really vary quite a bit, whereas opposed to like cop shows in the US all follow the exact same taste, right? It's the same sure. exact pacing. There's an equation there that's really hard and firm. And that is, I just walked into that joke. Um, yeah, the Korean media in general. Not on, not this, not on this show. We keep it above yeah, okay. board. We'll do a super cut later, but not tonight. <laughs> not no. tonight. We're just gonna leave that in. Well, it's like so, even like uh, like I think reality TV is probably one of the easiest comparisons for people to make now. 
Uh, and uh, in the U.S., like reality TV is just it's kind of all treated the exact same. Like it doesn't matter if it's a, a cooking competition or uh, a corn growing competition, which doesn't exist. But like I would watch it. It uh, should. But it, you know, it, should. it would still be. What cut if it together. were truckers who had to grow corn? You'd be in cloud nine. <laughs> I just tried all... to adjust my hat. Did y'all see that? Okay, I don't have a hat. Uh, corn grows really fast. That would be interesting. <laughs> It would be interesting. I don't know, but but I'm just wondering if um if you see some of those same like I'll call them tropes in this case in, in the shows that you're watching now. There are the same tropes uh, to some extent for sure. Like there are things that like the people pleasers, right? Yeah. Like in Korean media, it's a really big thing to have a girl like try to turn away and the guy like grabs her wrist. And like here in the US, to be like, okay, that's kind of assault. Why do you do that? But it's yeah, like yeah. a loving like oh like it's it's a different gesture and that's a really big trope too like the grabbing of the girl's arm or like like boxing her in like so like your it like your hands are like on either that's side that's aggressive behavior yeah that's but called, it's loving that's called red flags in america <laughs> yes these are correct things and it's something we have to deal with because there is a great deal of misogyny at in like korean media and culture and we we picked um, up on what that, i've been told korean stuff but just what in watching uh uh, Love is Blind Japan, just seeing the amount of, of in the Japanese culture, how, how unprogressive... pretty 1950-ish. Yes, how unprogressive they were in terms of gender roles. And, Some of the people, but yes. Yeah, not, not everybody, also like, but, but it, was, it was glaring. It was glaring. Hard to watch yes. at some point. Sexual harassment and assault is also pretty bad um, in terms of like, it, it's still really bad here, um, but it is handled a bit differently, whereas like it's kind of taboo here, but it's a bit more um, you don't think we've, I guess, in that You don't view. think we've resolved that and have fixed that in America? <laughs> I think not yet. I think we're maybe like, we got like 10% right. more to go. I, don't know. Um, until... <laughs> I guess we're each, we're each entitled we to our own opinions. We overcome sexism. <laughs> we're entitled to our own opinions, I guess. <laughs> sure as men you are entitled to your own opinions about sexual harassment and we have been for a very long time so anyway <laughs> that's, and that's right. what i've learned um, and we just walked into that box how are we gonna get out <laughs> it's really simple we just go uh well how do you rate this Clap. show out of 10 so i'm obsessed with this show it's like 10 out of 10 it's one of the best like k-dramas no. i've watched okay. this year i'm really excited about it uh it is not for everyone i'm also like a hardcore like k-drama watcher at this point um, but it's just different. And okay. I think that's the point is if you're looking for stuff that's different, can you help me you gauge? Can you help me gauge? Cause you're, you're new to this for the show. So I'm trying to gauge what your taste is. Damn. Can you gauge a, what a 10 out of a 10 would look like in a, in an American show? Something that's maybe not even in the same genre, but like what's something that you would have in recent past given a 10 out of a 10, this same kind Project. of endorsement. I haven't watched any English speaking shows in two years, so okay. I cannot. <laughs> The last that's relatable, I feel like. Then let's just say um, the, the last ten, the last show or movie that you no, would give I a ten out of a ten. Okay, mm. I watched some HBO. That's hard though because they're not really relatable at all. I'm just trying like, to gauge what your taste is because, like, I can't relate to the right. K-pop stuff or the, any of the. For K sure. But like, if you say that you rate Succession ten out of ten, then I'm like, okay. In terms of American shows, like she and I are on the same wavelength. You know what I mean? Right. No, it's really hard to relate to. I don't, I think it's a bit apples and oranges to be quite honest okay. because it'd right. be like it, you might love like Watchmen for me was a 10 out of 10. I loved that series of like okay. HBO. Incredible. Right. But like there are people who refuse to read subtitles. You know, you have to read this entire thing in subtitles. You have to understand the cultural gaps, the translations. Like there is a lot here to get over that I don't think it's really worth comparing. Like, oh, if you like this, you're going to like this because it's a different 
Oh, I, I know that it's different. I guess I was just trying stuff. to. I was just trying to see if I could, if you and I were on the same page in terms of American taste, so that I would know. Oh, this mm. seems like this could. Like I can trust her opinion. <laughs> like, well, and that's the thing is I don't think you can unless you actually vibe with with what I watch, and I don't. Yeah, I don't know if there's a way for me to compare we're that, that to unless far really apart. The... Yeah. So, but let me ask you. No, it's not we're far apart. But how many romantic comedy series that you have seen? produced in the u.s movies or series wise let's do it that way when was less rom-com that was strictly a rom-com series let alone and then like even if you could throw out a movie i would be surprised the u.s i feel like abandoned rom-coms in general which is a vast Thank like the lord <laughs> just kidding no i want my you've got mail back and sleepless in seattle okay Frankly, <laughs> you, oh can my you can re-watch those on netflix <laughs> i'm gonna start crying don't don't talk about Brinkley right but now. again I need new. You can't okay. just feed me the same old stale stuff. Well, I would like to fully agree with you. However, the answer to that is that new um, Marry Me. Marry Me, yeah. They literally advertise that as like rom-coms from 30 years ago or 20 years ago. Like that's how they yes. advertise the movie. So yes. anyway, that's the latest one. But it does kind of prove your point that it's fallen far enough out that that's how they advertise That the they're film. using it as a marketing ploy to get you to watch it. Um, yeah. So then let me ask a, like a deviating question slightly. You do a lot of work with these high, you know, these these high budget movies and these high budget studios. You are you have to watch these things and a lot of things like Star Wars, a lot of things like the DC movies and things that you that you've worked on. Do you enjoy watching those films or is it a, just another job for you? Because like it sounds like maybe you don't like the the commercially driven Hollywood stuff. And a lot of the projects you work on publicly are these, these big budget Hollywood projects. So like, how does that, how does that jive for you? So, and I think this is really important as like kind of a misnomer about people who work in my industry is I don't get screeners for a vast majority of like the movies or TV shows that I work on. Sometimes I will, but it's incredibly rare. Mm -hmm. So I'm creating the work well in advance of ever consuming the media itself. I'm basing it off of trailers or promos or other reference that they send me. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm working on it, it's not because, oh, I've watched it and I love it. And it's kind of an endorsement as a review not at all what it is and so I definitely watch them later but I pick and choose like what I would like to watch and I think like it's easy enough to roll into like a, an MCU film right like a Marvel Universe like movie and be like sure I know what I'm getting into right yeah. but I can only take so much of the I know what I'm getting into and it's broken up by these other things that I engage with um and I think that's kind of how that balance right that we were talking about before between balancing the commercial with something else that's that's just for me. We're like for work. I do enjoy it. It's a good job, um, and it can be a lot of fun. But I think it's hazardous if you go into it looking to like, oh, this is special or this is clout driven or oh, look at me. Like the the shiny bits of it are a way to fail in this industry. Let alone as like a creative trying to engage with something to keep you going. Right, sure. the motivation. Yeah, that makes sense. And so it has to be drawn from elsewhere. Okay, twenty five, twenty one. You heard it here. It's a ten out of ten from Chasey Ching and. Uh... She knows a thing or two about Dep a thing or two. Depending on how you feel about it. <laughs> There's a big old asterisk on that 10 out of 10, but that's all right. There is. Uh, if I you love it, it's a 10. And if you don't, it's a zero. That's how a lot of things work, to be fair. Yeah, you yes. either love it or you It really it. is. That's yeah. true, 100%. It's, it's, it's hard to live in that. And it's hard to live in a world of grays when uh, so much of the world wants you to be black or white. 
Um, all right. So on that note, I think we are going to uh, we're going to start to wind this bad boy down. Um, before we do that, can we roll our dice? Uh, I told you ahead of time, Tracy. You're going to roll for for Lauren, who will be back next week. Um, even though you've done an incredible job, maybe we'll just do the another four sided one. You. Yeah. Okay, and then the twenty, right? Yes, you got them. So I don't know how to read this. <laughs> just to be clear, I'm still very new. Yeah, I'll, so I'll we'll roll it. And you can interpret it. Yes. Yeah. We'll help you with it. So we're not going to. Should know. I use the greens or the yellow or the, the yellows tonight? I'd let Tracy cheese. She's our guest. Green. Green. Okay. Green. They don't roll as good, to be honest, but that's fine. Well, we're not trying to defeat a monster right now, so we should be fine. <laughs> oh, man. That'll happen. So on, on Thursday, Patrick used the yellow. When that's right, and I, we'll, we'll say this, and I know you're about to say it, Thursday, designer, uh, Dungeons & Designers, uh, that's our next session on Twitch. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, that's tomorrow, uh, twitch.tv slash podcast. It's going to start at 6 Central, 7 Eastern. Uh, it'll it'll go for a couple hours, a uh, heck of a lot of fun. And the thing is, we're going to be increasingly giving more ways for the people that are part of the live record to influence what's happening in the campaign uh it's gonna be awesome so just wanted to throw that out there if you're listening today come join us on twitch it's not a scary place it's a very fun place all right so it's time for us to roll the dice uh why don't you go ahead and start us out tracy this shouldn't be difficult you just rolled the two dice um, two of them together yeah sure okay bum, bum, bum. so read okay. what's on your 20 so sided the 20 side is a two okay is a two we don't know what her number means because we don't have the list. I know. I'm. I. I wrote it. I wrote it down. Writing Lauren it down. will. We will confer with Lauren and we will find out uh, next week okay. what we all got. So, so we're all rolling, but rolling. we'll just have no idea uh, exactly. what they do. We'll, we'll find um, out after after. The okay, show. so I roll a thirteen. Wait, wait, wait. What's your what's your? What was the point of the foresight? <laughs> yeah. So what? Yeah. So, so it's the one that says one, two, three with the two up. Yeah. The two. Okay. So the two. Yeah. So you rolled a two, two. Wow. Yeah. Present. Two. It's a present two. I rolled a past 13. 13 and a three. No, a one. Okay. 13 and one, yeah. And I rolled a 15 and a two. Okay. So we'll find out what that means uh, later on tonight. And uh, you'll find out what it means next week on the show. All right. That's going to be it for the show. You can find show notes and links to all the things that we talked about over at mof1.network, where you can also find an archive full of incredible episodes, including one where we interviewed Tracy from many, many years ago. Patrick's saying no, because that probably isn't there anymore because of copyright stuff. Is that what you're saying? I think, I, I think there was a copyright strike, to be honest. Then I need to really? like, That means we need to have Tracy back on and interview Yeah, it was her. your people. I don't understand. Just kidding. Um, it was uh, yeah, it was uh, Tracy Ching's manager. Copy copyright struck the episode. <laughs> She's like, we we were we were using I think uh, outro music on those episodes. Like it would change every episode. Don't do that, everybody. Uh, if it's not licensed, so we had those we were in the early days the of the podcast when yeah. we thought if we got five people to listen, we were on cloud nine. Who knew? But then that we got people enough people listen. to listen that we got legal action threatened against us which <laughs> yeah. is more than five which i mean that's a cool. whole 15 <laughs> yeah that's really cool so we um so find uh find us over at mf1.network where you can find all those things you can also join the conversation on slack uh if you're not already doing uh joining us on twitch join us over at twitch.tv slash mf1 podcast uh follow us on there so you always get notifications of when uh we go live we go live multiple times a week now 
um, as well as other different kinds of shows and different kinds of content. Um, not the least of which is the one coming up this Thursday, uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on release day. And that's our Dungeons and Designers crew, where we have Will, Tracy, Patrick, myself, and Ray um, battling our way through the rings of uh, Lavander. 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 Um, in session Lavander. three. Yeah. As everyone remembers, and to be clear, session three. It's this episode, if you're not caught up, it's a heist episode. We're yes. literally, perfor- we're like kicking off the episode by kicking off a heist. We spent two hours. All of last session. And no planning. one died. Nobody, Nobody died. died. But no I guarantee worries. you, if someone's going to die, it's going to happen sleep. in probably the first five minutes of this this. Next episode. It's going to be Sleazel Sleep Fingers. But that episode happens this Thursday over at our on our Twitch channel. You can also become a scriber on there. Uh, a scriber. <laughs> you can just write <laughs> whatever write. you want. You can just write the whole thing down. Uh, you can uh, become a subscriber to the channel as well. That helps us out a ton. And if you have Amazon Prime, it doesn't cost you anything extra. You get a free Prime subscription every month. Uh, and hey, throw those throw that uh, subscription over to us. That helps us out a ton. Um, another thing that helps us is by rating and reviewing the show. It doesn't cost you any money, but takes very little time. And it's super helpful and fun for us. If you write us a review, we will read it on air, especially if you tell us how to read it. And uh, we will do it that way. We will put all of our energy and effort into it. Patrick will wear costumes. Um, there will be voices, maybe even music bed behind it. Who knows? Um, there will be energy given to it. So uh, rate and review the show on um, podcasts. You can find us over on M of One Podcast and all the different social platforms. Uh, Drop us a line on there. We post a lot of stuff uh, about the show and we will give uh, updates on things. We are going to be at Creative South uh, in a couple of weeks. So join us there if you so wish. We're going to have some fun there. We're going to be streaming some things, uh, doing a bunch of stuff and generally just hanging out with some really fun and cool people. So uh, join us over at Creative South. Um, you can also find us on our personal show socials. Uh, I'm at Andrew Sale with threes instead of E's. Tracy, where can people find you? At Tracy Chang, pretty much across the board on social. Okay. And yeah, Patrick? and I, I am at Not Cool Co. You can find us all there uh, and just hang out with us uh, when we're on the socials. That's how you know that we're real friends. And I'm dying for real friends. It's honestly, it's a sad situation. Uh, For now, though, we're going to get out of this episode. I am Andrew. I am Tracy. I'm Patrick. Uh, Thank you so much for coming, Tracy. You're such an awesome, cool person. And we can't wait to talk to you again on Thursday. Peace out. Lauren, please come back. Angel Butt 69.